Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you're new to the community, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to have a conversation about why taking care of yourself while caring for your dying loved one should be a priority with Jenny Lytle. She's a hospice nurse, churn, stress relief, and self-care coach, helping imperfect women of faith and caregivers prioritize their own needs to find peace and take control of their lives. If the word faith threw you off, please do not disregard this conversation. If you are here today, this message is for you, whether you be, whether, whatever your beliefs are. <laughs> Hello, Jenny. It's good to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm really excited about, about our conversation. <laughs> You believe that self-care isn't selfish. It's actually the way to make sure that we can continue to show up as our best self and care for all those people we love to help, right? Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to pursue training as a coach. Sure. So um, I have... I've always been a caregiver of some sort, you know, and I always knew that that I wanted to help people, that I wanted to serve people in that way. I've been a nurse um, since I got out of high school. I went to practical wow. nursing school and then went on for registered nursing. So it's been 28 years now. And, um, you know, and there's so many things that I love about nursing in general and about hospice nursing in particular. I've been in hospice for about 16 years now. and you know, I just, as much as I love to, um, to care for people that way, you know, I just really started seeing that there are so many, um, caregivers and, um, and we'll, we'll go into the faith part a little bit more because what you said is so perfect. You know, it's, it's definitely not for, um, you know, my message is not just for people who believe what I believe. Um, so, But what I found when I was dealing with a lot of caregivers, both, you know, maybe hospice family members who are, you know, taking care of loved ones or, um, you know, nurses and aides and social workers, chaplains, volunteers that are um, that are caring for a loved one in a um, a very specific um, healthcare, you know, a, a worker capacity that that so many of them were neglecting themselves, you know, and, and most people who are caregivers are doing that out of a sense of um, love and compassion. Um, and, and there's some duty along with it too, you know, in, in some cases, people who definitely wouldn't consider themselves to be caregivers are kind of thrust into that role. But then what happens is, you know, people are telling you how how great it is to be, you know, giving of yourself in that way. And and you start kind of putting yourself on the back burner and, you know, or feeling like it's selfish to, you know, to want to take care of your own needs when, especially when you're caring for someone who's dying, um, you know, they have a limited amount of time. You can get to, you know, whatever you feel like you need, you'll just get to it later. Um, but what I found is that, you know, 
later doesn't happen very often. And usually, you know, our bodies kind of give out on us. We end up, you know, sick or just at our wits end. And we're kind of forced into a, a situation where we've got to deal with some things and it ends up affecting our own health too. And, and we're not showing up as, as our best selves, the way that we want to any loving, calm, um, presence for the people that we're caring for. Right. And and just to clarify, um, yes. because you worked in a hospice and when you say caregivers, it doesn't necessarily mean caring for somebody that is in a hospice facility. Exactly. Uh, it could be like I did. I was, you know, helping my sister because she had um, leukemia mm -hmm. and um, she never went to hospice. Mm -hmm. um, it was until her last month. I never thought that last month, but now I can say it was her last month mm -hmm. um, that the doctor said, you know, it's best for you to start looking for a place like a hospice. And I was like, uh, no, what do you mean? You, you know, like there's all these things that come to your mind, like, you know, no, <laughs> like, what do you mean? That's, that, that's saying that you're giving up on this person. Mm -hmm. Um so it's all this, um, oof, it's all these feelings that, um, that you start feeling guilt and that could be one of them. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about caregivers, can, mm -hmm. can you be, um, can you give us maybe some examples on, in your, you know, in your experience working with, with people who help their loved ones? Yes, absolutely. So, um, and I want to, I want to circle back around to, um, to the hospice part here in a moment, but caregivers, you know, when I say caregivers, yes, my experience has primarily been in hospice. However, you know, I, I believe that 99% of us are caregivers in some capacity or another. And so that may be, you know, professionally, if you're somebody who is, um, you know, working in healthcare, or maybe you're a teacher or a, um, you know, an EMT, a police officer, something like that, you are caring for people. Um, you know, it may not be medically, but you are, you know, I mean, you are giving of yourself, um, you know, not just your time, but your, your emotions and your, you know, you're really giving your heart to people. And that can, that can be very draining. It's very rewarding, but it can be draining as well. And that's the part that we don't always talk about, you know, it's, oh, it's so, you know, it's so rewarding this work that I'm doing, but just because something is rewarding doesn't mean it doesn't take something out of you. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and people who are, caring for people, you know, if you're a parent and you're caring for children or like you were, you know, where you're caring for your sister. Um, there are a lot of people who are in that, you know, sandwich place where maybe they're caring for children and also caring for aging parents. So there's such a, such a huge um, variety of ways that caregiving can, um, can come upon us. And, you know, some of us choose to be caregivers from a professional standpoint, and others are kind of thrust into that caregiver role without feeling like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of alternatives. You know, we feel like it's something that we have to be doing and, you know, and maybe we're receptive to that, but sometimes, you know, it, for some of us, it comes more naturally than others. So, you know, just having that grace with ourselves when, when we are frustrated and overwhelmed and scared and confused and, um, you know, it's, gosh, just being able to acknowledge those kind of things. And, you know, it's not, it's not all warm fuzzy by any means, you know, it's hard work. And, it, you know, I, I think that that's something that, that isn't, talked about enough is the fact that it's, you know, even if you love someone, even if you're wanting to, um, wanting to help care for them, that doesn't mean that it's easy. How did you, um, transition in, in being, are you, are you still nursing? Do you still do the nurse? Is that still your profession? Yes. Or are you a full-time coach? <laughs> no, I I kind of, I, I go back and forth. Every time I think I'm done with nursing, then like something else will come up and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this for a little bit because there are so many things about, um, about hospice that I love. And mm. it's, um, 
you know, so kind of let, let, let's touch just a bit on on what you said about hospice, because so where I, I actually have worked, um, I, I did a travel nursing um, assignment in a, in, a, in a hospice unit. So it was kind of like a little a little miniature hospital that was just for hospice patients or just for terminally ill patients. Um, but the rest of my hospice career has been dealing with um, hospice patients at home. So Ooh. someone who, um, you know, it sounds like maybe, so your sister, was she at home where you were? She was at home. Her? Yeah. Okay. She was at yes. home with me. So, um, and a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about, you know, what hospice is and, and hospice being a place and hospice is a, it's just a, a level of care that someone can receive when they have a life expectancy of six months or less. And so, and that's if the disease runs its normal course. So, you know, there are people who are on hospice for a couple of years, you know, because none of us have an expiration date on this that we, <laughs> that we know of, but, um, but it's just, you know, it's somebody who's not, not trying to aggressively treat. So, you know, maybe they're not getting, um, you know, like chemotherapy, if we're talking about cancer, just to make it simple, even though it's much more than just cancer, but, um, you know, if they're getting chemotherapy, trying to cure the, um, the disease or trying to prolong their life, then, then that's something where they, you know, they probably wouldn't be ready for hospice at that time. But, but sometimes, you know, maybe somebody is getting like chemotherapy or radiation, but it's just to kind of shrink tumors enough to control pain. So, um, so, what what hospice does in those situations is you know the goal is to is to help keep someone as comfortable as possible so it's to address symptom management um you know whether that be nausea vomiting anxiety pain um all of those kind of things and also helping to deal with the the psychosocial and the spiritual aspects of the patient and the family you know the unit of care is not just the one person but it's everybody so providing support to the caregivers as well and that can be done at home um, or in like an assisted living or in a nursing home even. Um, and so the hospice team comes in, usually the nurse comes in, you know, once a week if everything's going pretty well, um, but can come in, you know, more often than that. And we'll come in for, you know, an hour or two, do an assessment, kind of, you know, see how everything's going um, you know, check and see about medications are, you know, are, are symptoms being well controlled? Are there refills that are needed? And then there's, you know, aids that can come in and help with, you know, bathing and personal care, or maybe some light housekeeping. Social workers can help with things like um, disability forms. Um, you know, if that's a, if that's an issue, you know, if somebody's trying to get some, you know, some disability things or FMLA forms are something that's very common or helping with funeral arrangements or, um, you know, POA paperwork, things like that. Just those very practical kind of things that can, you know, or if you're looking at maybe, you know, needing some extra help or going to a facility, then, you know, then they're great about helping to facilitate that. And then, the chaplains can help with, um, you know, any spiritual needs and nobody's going to come in and try to convert someone to their beliefs. You know, it's just, um, you know, talking with someone about their, um, about their own spiritual beliefs and supporting beliefs and supporting them in that way. And then there's volunteers that can help with some, you know, some different things here and there too. So it's, it's, it's more than a place. It's a, um, it's a way to be able to, um, you know, to help support people and, and provide that education and support for families and caregivers wherever they are. I'm glad you cover that because that, that is a big misconception. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. first thing that comes to your mind is, you know, oh, you know, like when my grandmother, um, mm -hmm. got sick, she also died of cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, it was just a week. We didn't mm -hmm. even know she had cancer. Mm -hmm. And we took her to the hospital. And the first thing I told my cousins and my aunts, it was like, my grandmother is not going to go to the hospice. Because that's mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. She's going to mm -hmm. go to a nursing home or a hospital or yes. you know, a facility, not home. And right. my sister was the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it is so liberating for somebody that is going through this right now, knowing that it's okay to get help. And mm -hmm. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to go to a another place that is not home. So why do you think, since we're talking about this, why do you think that caregivers have such a hard time taking care of their own needs? Because we tend to put our needs, as always, <laughs> on the back burner. And, yes. and that is so wrong. But talk to us a little bit more in your experience. Sure. Um, I think a lot of that is because, well, I, I think there's a lot of reasons, but the first one that comes to mind for me is there's those immediate needs that you have when you're caring for someone, you know, so, and, and whether that's, you know, someone who's ill, or if you're talking about, you know, a parent who's caring for a child, you know, I mean, their, their needs have to come first in a lot of ways, you know, if someone's not able to feed themselves or, you know, or prepare their own meals, then, then that's on you to do that. And so, you know, those things, yes, need to be a priority at times. Um, but it's, it just becomes kind of a, a situation where you feel like all of their needs need to come before yours. And if you're waiting for a, a gap, a perfect time, you know, waiting till you get caught up <laughs> with, um, with your caregiving duties to, you know, maybe squeeze in a little bit of time for yourself, then it's not going to happen. There's not going to be that gap unless you intentionally schedule that, you know, so if you're planning ahead and, and having that, um, having that time set aside, you know, where you know that, you know, from 10 to 11 on Thursday, you're going to, um, and it can be something very practical. It can be, you're going to um, go for a walk and catch up with a friend, you know, I mean, so something that it doesn't have to be, you know, all spa days and, and beach <laughs> vacations, although those are great, you know, but, but it's, it's so much more than that. You know, it can be very simple things. It can be as simple as going to the grocery store by yourself. And I know that doesn't seem like something that's really exciting, but I know when I had small kids, I really looked forward to that time, you know, that, that <laughs> grocery store time by myself <laughs> where I didn't have somebody wanting something. And, um, you know, so if you're able to have someone come in and, and, you know, and, and sit with your loved one or, or, you know, if maybe you're able to um, leave them alone for a little bit, but figuring out how to do those things without guilt too. Um, ah, that's the word we, guilt. <laughs> it is, it is because we take so much of it on ourselves and, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, when you get on an airplane, they, they give that same speech every time. And they talk about, you know, in case of an emergency, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And that's, that feels so like counterintuitive, you know, if you're, if you're talking about somebody who can't help themselves, well, of course I'm going to help them first. But if you don't have oxygen, if you don't have your own needs met, then you're not going to be able to function. And so you're not going to be able to help them. And, and I think that it's so easy for us to think, oh, you know, but I'm fine, but I'm fine. And you may be for a while, but it's like a ticking bomb though. Exactly. <sighs> you just never know when yeah. finally, I mean, your body is just going to give out, you know? And um, I've noticed that when I get too stressed, which I'm kind of headache prone anyway, and, and for the most part, it's fairly well controlled, but I can go, go, go. But when I have a little bit of downtime, then boom, that's when the headache will hit me because it's like, you know, okay, I've got it. I can push for, for a while, but then when it's like, my body knows, okay, you've got this little bit of downtime and then I'm miserable during my downtime. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, but if we're more proactive about those things and we, we really, you know, tune into whatever it is that, that fills us back up. And that's different for all of us. You know, there's some commonalities, but, but what really, you know, if I do X, Y, Z, then I know that that's something that makes me feel calmer and more peaceful and more grateful. Um, so I really encourage the clients that I work with to, you know, to think about those kind of things for themselves and then figure out how to plan them into their days. Yeah. So that we don't feel guilty and resentful because- right. 
right when we're having that good time right that split moment of just releasing then you feel guilty it's like Mm -hmm. how can I feel happy when this person is having this hard time how can I feel this or how can I take time when that person don't doesn't have time maybe Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I love that you talk about becoming becoming your best I always tell people we're always becoming yeah we're not the same as we were yesterday so talk to us a little bit about your becoming method and maybe we can give uh, people that are struggling right now you know mm-hmm. some little light on that tunnel <laughs> yes yes so you know for me I when I first decided to get into coaching and and part of that was was because of the fact that I just, I saw such a need. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to continue to work with people and to help people, but I wanted to kind of do that in a little bit of a, of a different way. And so that led me into coaching. And I thought, you know, the goal for me is to, um, is to help people stop comparing themselves to others, because I think that in general, but especially as women, we do that so much, you know, we look at, we look at other women and, um, you know, it's this constant comparison game where frequently we feel like we don't measure up, you know, we're not doing it as well as she is. (laughs) And, um, you know, so, and we're always on this, this kind of journey to improve ourselves, but, it's not going to be something where we're going to arrive. You know, I mean, I never, I don't feel like I'm, I'm moving toward like a definite finish line, you know, and then I'm going to be, okay, boy, when I've got that done, then, then I'm just, I'm done. You know, I don't need to get any better. It's just a constant, it's a constant process. And, you know, and that's the whole becoming part and, and, you know, and becoming your best because what, what I want, what I want to do with my life, um, you know, my own gifts, abilities, talents, shortcomings, you know, those are, those are different than yours. So, and and they evolve over time, um, you know, based on our life experiences and things like that. So I really, you know, I really focus on, um, on that becoming part. And so basically I, I came up with a framework that was kind of based on the nursing process, which is a, a way that nurses use to um to evaluate things and set up plans and things like that. And so it was not only um that, but you know, just my kind of my coaching experiences as well. And so each letter means something, but the overall, the overall point of it is so you're seeing you're starting off with where are you now? And then where do you want to go? And how are you going to get there? And that sounds very simplistic. And but but it is. I, I mean, it's just it's we don't take the time to do that very often, you know. And and so it's it's looking at those things with, you know, before you before you can get somewhere, you know, when you get in the car, even though we've got GPS and all of that, now um you still have to know where you're starting you know, the GPS will find it for you maybe, but, but you have to know where you are before you can, you know, really get started going somewhere. And so starting with that and really thinking about it, because a lot of times we don't stop to, um, to think about, okay, you know, you think about here's where I want to go, but where am I now in terms of those things? And then, and then moving on to, um, you know, where do you want to go and, and kind of digging into the, why do you want to go there? And, um, because a lot of times we also have these, these things that we maybe have, we've had these goals, these dreams in the back of our head for years. And we still feel like, you know, oh, I haven't gotten there. I haven't gotten there, but we don't always stop to reevaluate. Do I want to go there? I mean, maybe this is what I wanted to do 10 years ago. And, um, you know, maybe I haven't gotten there because I really, it's not even where I want to go anymore, but we just kind of, you know, feel like we're failing because we haven't gone somewhere that we're not going because we've lost that desire. Our life has changed and that's okay. So it's, you know, it's not a one and done thing. It's something to reevaluate and, you know, and I encourage people, you know, here we are at the beginning of the year and, you know, just to kind of think about those kind of things. Um, and then once you get that, um, once you get that 
destination, I guess, even though it's, you know, a a temporary destination. But once you get that in mind, okay, this is where I want to go, then start working through, okay, how is that actually going to happen? You know, what do I need to change in my life? What do I need to, you know, maybe do a little bit differently or think about a little differently? How can I be more intentional to actually get there? And then once you're working through those steps, then it's a, you know, it's a constant, um, process of reevaluating, you know, okay, so, you know, I've done this now, where am I now? Where do I need to, where do I need to tweak that? What do I need to do maybe a little bit differently? And, um, and that's something that's just kind of an ongoing part of our lives. And I, I just, um, you know, recently listened to your, I think it's your most recent, um, episode about the word of the year and, oh yes, (laughs) yes. And I just, you know, I love that because, I, you know, like you, I don't do a lot of, you know, New Year's resolutions and, (laughs) and all of that. Um, But I I do think it's such a great time to, you know, just to really think about, okay, what, what do I want to, what do I want to do? Um, What do I want this year to be about? What do I want to, to feel to, um, you know, how do I want to uh, kind of focus my life in right. in this year and moving forward. And so I think the two, you know, the two go nicely together, um, both using the becoming method to, you know, dig into that a little bit more, but but that overarching um, focus that the that the word of the year can bring to us. Yeah. And and you know, it's so much sometimes simple things um are kind of more um, hard to do because of the simplicity in it because mm-hmm. we just want complex things you know if not we're not doing the work mm-hmm. right <laughs> and I love what you said about the GPS and and it's what coaches call the the rinse and repeat right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you talked about the GPS is that sometimes in the GPS um, you can put like a little stop you know when you're driving and you 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 need to put a stop because you need to go to the bathroom <laughs> And that's when you're changing a little direction and why um, having a strong why to reach your destination, it's, it's super important. Mm-hmm. And, and people might be thinking, what does that have to do with, you know, caregivers? <laughs> it's like, we're talking business now, you know, but it, it applies to anything in life. Absolutely. Not, not necessarily um, having your own business or, or a professional or whatever it could be like a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes they need to keep their sanity <laughs> absolutely because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say oh, oh you know she's a stay-at-home mom oh you know like that jo- that's an easy job no it's not, it is not. but um anyways uh so let's circle back to um I'm not sure if you were done with your, your method. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's circle back a little bit about your faith. So what role does that play in your, in your stress management and self-care plan? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So for me, um, so I'm a Jesus follower. And so for me, my faith is, I know that when I am not spending time especially of a morning, like I feel like that kind of like starts me and and centers, you know, kind of gets my day started on the right foot. So, you know, I spend my time in prayer and in reading. Um, and that's something that just it kind of fills me up and and helps keep me focused on what I want to focus on. But um, something that I that I really have struggled with is, I feel like so many um, well, women in general, um, and again, this is very broad, you know, yes, there are, there are absolutely people who, you know, who are outside of, of these categories, but, you know, women, we tend to neglect ourselves because we feel like we're supposed to be caring for the needs of others, you know, and um, then caregivers, which again, like I said, I believe most people are caregivers, but when we add in that extra, you know, official caregiver title, title? <laughs> then, <laughs> yes, then 
you know, then, well, of course, I'm supposed to be pushing everybody else's needs, you know, to the front and just pushing mine down, you know, I'll just, I'll be good. I'm, I'm just, my needs are going to be miraculously met. You're a strong then, woman. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, I don't know how you do it. You're superwoman, you know, and it's like, well, so we feel like we kind of need to live up to that a little bit. And then if you add in faith on top of that, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times, you know, oh, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be taking care of other people and, you know, putting others first and, and all of that. And you call yourself a Christian. Uh, I know. Right. <laughs> and, and, but you know, I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse, I'm a coach, not, not a Bible scholar. But what I do know is that, you know, Jesus said that the most important commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I feel like we get focused on that, you know, loving God and loving our neighbor, but we kind of like toss that as ourself aside. And, you know, if we are, if we're loving our neighbor as ourself and we're completely neglecting ourselves, then we're kind of missing the mark. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, we've got to, we've got to put aside this, this thought and this judgment that we put on ourselves, not others so much, you know, we'll tell other people, you know, you've really got to take care of yourself, but then we don't do that. And, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be, we're not going to be um, able to care for others for a long period of time, or we're going to be doing it in a not the way we want to do it kind of way. We're going to get grumpy. We're going to get tired. Exactly. We're going to get resentful. And you know, what really prompted all of this for me, um, you know, what, what brought it home for me is my mom, was, um, she was also a nurse. She, um, and she had some health issues, but she was the kind of person who would do anything for anybody except herself. And, um, you know, she, she was always so busy taking care of things for other people that, you know, oh, she didn't have time to sleep, right. She didn't have time to eat, right. You know, she was always going to do it later, you know, as soon as she got caught up and, um, long story short, she ended up, um, passing early. Um, she had, she had an aneurysm that, um, that we knew about. Um, but because of all of the other things she had going, she, you know, was, it it never was the perfect time to get it fixed and, um, it ruptured and, and she passed away pretty suddenly and she was uh, 61. And so that just really brought it all home to me. And, you know, it, it reinforced the importance of taking care of ourselves because she, you know, she worried so much about caring for other people and not taking care of her own needs. And, you know, as her daughter, I mean, her only, uh, her only child, you know, I, so now I'm without my mom, my kids are without their grandma and, um, you know, that's, that just adds a a whole different layer of, of grief, you know? So I'm just, I'm so passionate about helping people to understand that, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can find ways to, um, to care for yourself, even while you are caring for others. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, that it's easy or that, you know, that everyone's circumstances are the same, but, you know, figuring out ways to carve out just little bits of time. I mean, and sometimes that may be two minutes in the bathroom where you just breathe and, you know, or cry or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to um, just to have a little bit of a release and, and be able to um, just, just check in with yourself and, and kind of figure out what is it that you need and, and coming up with ways to, Um, to involve other people too yeah it's like um it goes back to putting yourself last always when you Mm -hmm. try to like and and healing doesn't um it it might take years it's not Mm -hmm. like you're just looking for a way that uh, my sister passed away five years ago and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm still dealing with you know like Mm -hmm. it's like is this ever going to change it's not like to say that you know I'm depressed all the time or now I can watch a video um of me and her like we were doing this 
kind of documentary, you know, like, oh, we're going to, um, you're going to be a testament, you know, and, and that's another thing that makes you feel even more guilty, like, and, and have your faith, I guess, um, how, how would I say that crumble a little, like, mm-hmm. you know, that the New York, um, um, oh my goodness, now I forget the name of <laughs> Like the ball drop and the confetti? Yes. You know, yes. like, it's, it's like, now I lost my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, what was I saying? Uh, I about got... you and your sister doing kind of a documentary? Oh, we were doing thing. like this, you know, documentary, like, oh, you're going to be a testament of, you know, of you beginning better. And then that guilt that, that never happened, you know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. it's it's oh my goodness so what advice will you give um and we're talking about women here because mm-hmm. you know I can only talk from a perspective of a woman because I'm a woman <laughs> and um this show it's more uh, you know it's helping women mm-hmm. and how what advice will you have for women who are struggling to keep it all together that they don't they might not feel that like there is a way out they feel Mm -hmm. this guilt and maybe guilt and shame and all this and I was talking about healing (laughs) now I remember what I was where I was going with the story (laughs) um I guess you know like healing will take time Mm-hmm. So what would you be your advice? And it might take years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think that, um, you know, and I work primarily with women as well, but it's to, to have grace with yourself when it comes to your own frustrations and your own needs with things, um, you know, be, be willing to be open and honest, you know, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to put every frustration out on social media, unless that's something that, you know, really (laughs) makes you feel better, you know, but, but having a couple of people that, you know, you have trusted friends that you can just really vent to. And, you know, because there's times when, you know, if you're caring for someone, especially someone who is sick, um, they have their own, you know, frustrations and things that go into that. And so, you know, there can be like a lot of heated things that go on and being able to, you know, be open and honest about your frustrations. And um, it doesn't make you a bad person if you're feeling, um, you know, angry or resentful. I mean, that just makes you human. And, you know, being able to get those feelings out, um, having someone that you can turn to, asking for help. And I know uh, for so many of us, that is so hard. Um, And, but for a lot of people, they're really willing to help out and they want to help out even. But I know like for me, you know, there's some people who are able to just, you know, okay, hey, I'm going to come over and I'm going to, I'm going to wash your dishes or I'm going to vacuum for you, you know, and they'll just do those things on their own. I am not that person. You know, I am willing, I will absolutely wash your dishes and vacuum, but I don't feel comfortable with most people saying, I'm going to come over and I'm going to do this. Um, and, but it's, it's asking for those specific things because how many times do people say, you know, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Now there's people who say that and they're just saying it because it's the right thing to say, (laughs) but most people genuinely do. I mean, they want to help in some way, but they don't know what your needs are or they just feel uncomfortable saying, okay, well, I'm going to take charge and I'm going to do this. Um, and thankfully I do have a couple of friends who are that way and (laughs) they are very much just, you know, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And, and that's great. But, and I, I will just flat out tell people, listen, I will do absolutely anything for you, but I am not the kind of person who is just going to come over and do something. So, you know, whatever it is that you need, you tell me, I don't care what it is. I'm willing to do it. But I need you to be specific with me. <laughs> and, um, but sometimes when that asking that you're saying, sometimes mm-hmm. when you're want to ask for help, um, and sometimes it's hard to tell you specifically. Yes. What yes. The needs are because right. then you feel built. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's so hard. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And so it, I think that, you know, something that I've gotten a little better about is I'll try to, you know, do you, you know, do you want me to make a meal or, you know, can I come over and, you know, stay with her for a little while? Um, You know, do you need me to go to the grocery store? And, you know, kind of throwing a couple things out there because sometimes, especially if things are, you know, if it's something new or if things are really chaotic, it's like... I people don't even know what they need. You know, like you said, it's just so, yes, maybe I, I don't feel comfortable asking, but I don't even really know. I just know that like life is like this right now. And, right. and I, I want it to get better. Um, so I think that's something that can be, um, you know, can be helpful is just, just asking for help. Um, just saying, you know, Hey, I, and maybe that's even just, I just need to talk, you know, I don't need, I don't think there's anything that's really fixable about this, but you know, can I just be open and honest and just vent for a little bit? Um, you know, that's something that can, that can be, um, can be very helpful too. And then, you know, looking into, um, resources that are available, you know, especially if you're talking about someone who is terminally ill, um, hospice is, is, uh, is definitely an alternative worth exploring because it's just, it's not, it's not taking the place, you know, it's like, I, I tell, you know, my family members and stuff that I'm dealing with, I'm like, you guys are still doing the day in and day out hard work. You know, we are coming along beside you to, you know, help to empower and educate you and give you some extra support, maybe show you, you know, a little easier ways to do things. It's getting that mind set shift of, you know, people hear hospice and they think, okay, well, she doesn't need hospice because she's not dying this week. You know, I mean, they, they think of hospice as something for people that are dying right now. And you're or, in denial. Yeah. Also. Well, and it's just so much of a, um, you know, it, it's hard to know what six months looks like, you know, I mean, when you're thinking, okay, yeah, she's got this, she's got this thing that, that is probably going to, you know, I mean, they've said that, you know, it, it, there's not going to be a cure for it. It's only going to get worse, but, um, but right now she's doing okay. And so it's, it's feeling that, um, that either it's not the right time or that it's like you said, giving up. And, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, where it, it feels like it, it can feel that way at first, but, you know, hospice right. isn't a, a matter of, of giving up on somebody, it's just a a change of focus where the focus instead of on, you know, trying to find a cure and, you know, and heal at any cost is more, um, more of a, you know, how can we make however long we have as good as possible? You know, it's, yeah. it's focusing on that quality of life and, and helping people to do the things that they want to do um, while they're able to. Yeah, that's, that's so important. Yeah, that asking for help, it's really tough. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is. Really it is. Tough. Yeah. And if somebody's struggling out there, and, and it's true what you said about that, when it's like, if it's something that you just want to vent, venting, you have to be careful when, when you're venting, especially on social media oh. <laughs> and looking for resources. You know, sometimes when you are in the midst of all that struggle, it is really hard to like really see clearly. Mm -hmm. I remember when um, when I was going through my emotions and I'm still going through those emotions and it doesn't mean that every day is like you're in this sadness, um, mm -hmm. you know, space. But I remember at the beginning, I, I belonged to this group for um, business and, you know, I just needed, like I felt, that I wasn't like, I didn't want to talk to my family, but I did want to talk to my family. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to put it out there that I was struggling with my business, but I wasn't really struggling with my business, but I was struggling with my business. <laughs> <laughs> so I recorded this video because we were doing this challenge and, and I said, Hey, now I know why I'm going through what I'm going through and this and blah, blah, blah. I went all, on what I, what, what I was feeling and I put it up and I didn't even wait two seconds and I deleted the video. I was like, oh, mm. heck no. I'm not, <laughs> not going to put this out there because what if they 
think this? What if, and, and we start with the what if, and we don't mm-hmm. allow that um, what we're feeling a process, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Ooh. And that's where I think journaling can be so helpful, you know, when you just need to get it out. And especially in those situations where you're not sure, you know, okay, hey, I don't know that I really want to go there with people, you know, (laughs) but just getting that out. And, you know, even if it means tearing it up or burning it when you're done, Mm -hmm. just sometimes just that getting it written down and acknowledging some of those things that you're feeling without judging them um, can be so therapeutic. Yes. And, and, you know, one of the, I I wrote an article about um, riding the waves of grief, you know, because it, in the beginning, you know, it's, it's more, it's more frequent and it's just, you're so, you just feel so off center, you know, with um, when you lose someone or even when you're leading up to that, you know, it's, everything just feels very off and you feel so unbalanced. And, um, but as you, you know, as time goes on, that changes, but, but still those waves of grief, you know, I mean, it's been four and a half years now for, um, for my mom and, you know, I'll be fine. And there's times when, you know, everything is going along like normal. And then all of a sudden it's just wham, you know, I get this big wave that just, I mean, it takes me under for a little bit. And, um, sometimes there's a reason, sometimes it just seems completely out of the blue, but, um, you know, just again, just having some compassion with yourself, having some grace with yourself, um, when it, when it comes to grief, when it comes to your imperfections, when it comes to being frustrated with yourself or with your loved one and feeling guilty over that, you know, looking at, instead of berating yourself, which is something that we tend to do so much instead think, you know, if my, if a close friend was telling me that she was feeling this, you know, if she was in this situation and this is what she was feeling, what would I say to her? And we're often so much kinder to others than we are to ourselves. And so, you know, just kind of turning that, turning that around a bit. But let's shift at this a little bit, because I want to know what your perception of beauty is. Ooh. Um, you know, I think, I think that's a great question. First of all, we've been talking about, you know, hospice and I'm like, I wonder what her perception. Hmm. I think that, um, I think that beauty is accepting yourself mm. and loving yourself, um, not just in spite of your imperfections, but because of your uniqueness. There are there are some of the you know, there was a, a lady who used to. She came to mind when you said that. Um, she worked at McDonald's. She worked at McDonald's in the drive-through, and um, she, the kids. This is when my my kids were young. We spent way too much time in the McDonald's drive-through. Okay, and so they <laughs> they would say, "Is it the nice lady?" That's just what they called her, the nice lady. And she was always she was so sweet, and um, I mean, she was an older woman, but she was just she always had a smile, and she always wanted to see the kids and all that. You know, she'd look at them, she'd wave to them, and and I remember, um, I mean, she just had this like joy that radiated from her. And I remember one time my, um, we were coming through and she was like, um, you know, she was waving hi to the kids and all of that. And my, my son was probably about three at the time and he was in the back and then he goes, ah, she's so beautiful. I mean, it was just It was just so sweet, you know? And, um, I mean, it was just like her heart that came through. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that, um, I think that beauty is just, um, being loving and accepting of, of others and, and letting that, letting that shine through. Yeah. It's, it's those feelings. Yes. Yeah, I love it. And oh, so cute. (laughs) It was so sweet. (laughs) That just came, you know, like straight from the heart. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Okay. What is one thing we were talking about, um, 
you were talking about earlier about the level, right? Once we reach another level, we're always becoming. Mm-hmm. We reach another level and that's another challenge that we need to overcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is one thing you stopped apologizing for that helped you maybe level up in your coaching practice or in your personal life or as a nurse? Mm. One thing I stopped apologizing for, um, I would say just being me. Um, I always, I always felt like I wasn't um, quite enough. Or maybe I was too much, you know, <laughs> depending on the, <laughs> depending on the circumstance. And, and I, you know, I, I went, when I first started going to like networking events and things like that, I was like, oh, you know, I'm just not like as polished and as professional as a lot of these people are. And, um, you know, I'm much more of a jeans and hoodie kind of gal than I am a <laughs> business suit and, and heels, you know, <laughs> me and heels that no. Um, but when I realized that, you know, that doesn't, um, that doesn't have any bearing on like my coaching abilities or my nursing abilities. Um, and there are people who, you know, there's people who aren't going to like me. And as much as I don't understand that, (laughs) I, um, I just, I get that, you know, that, I mean, there's people that, that are there. I'm sure they're great people, but I'm not necessarily super crazy about, you know, and so it's okay for not everybody to like me. Um, I'm not meant for those people, but when I try to be someone I'm not, um, then I'm, I'm, I'm not able to, to share the gifts that I do have and to help the people that I meant to help. And so I think just when I stopped apologizing for being me. Yeah. Ah, that's so awesome. Yeah. You show up more authentic when you're not thinking about the people that you're not supposed to be. And, and it's okay. We're not supposed to help everyone. I mean, it's nice that anybody that comes through your, in your path, um, that certainly we can help, Mm -hmm. but maybe you are not meant to help the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Maybe learn more about your becoming method and all the goodies. All right. So I am on social media, um, either as Jenny Lytle or Jenny Lytle RN. Um, my last name's L Y T L E. Um, my website is jennylytle.com. <clears throat> and on um on my website, I've got a um, a guide to um, seven days to less stress that that kind of goes into some of the things that we talked about a little bit. And it's really a, you know, kind of designed to be a, um, a, a guide that is, you're doing it once, but then you're able to refer back to it um, to, you know, when you're really needing some self-care uh, help and, and tips. So, and that's at jennylidle.com slash guide. Um, that is a free download there. And, you know, I'm happy to connect with anyone, um, you know, on social media as well. And, you know, feel free to ask me anything, whether it's, you know, self-care related, hospice related, I am, I am an open book and I'm also on medium.com. If, if anybody, you know, I've got a couple articles on there about hospice um, and self-care as well. If anyone wants to um, check me out there. Thank you. Thank you so much for this time that we spent together. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at MyeLens and on Facebook page Conversations with MyeLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.